Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And today we are doing our special episode that we've been going on and on about and then we're finally letting you hear it. Um, that's because it's actually quite a big job editing mm. together three different interviews you may or may not have guessed um we did not realize the scope of the job <laughs> and therefore it is finally coming out for you now um but yeah so i mean just jumping straight in we interviewed three different people um of which i got in contact through the gumption club um which is another patreon group that i'm a part of um and therefore we have access to a group called the gumption club where we can all chat and um, throw questions out there and sort of get to know each other which we also have now haha <laughs> cheeky plug um we have a what should i think about patreon facebook group where we're hoping to create a kind of similar community vibe um but you know specifically for our listeners Indeed. um but um you know i i found some really lovely people on from the gumption club to interview so we've got um kate who is a educator works in the education sector because we wanted to get you know someone that's actually from the education sector to you know weigh in on this particular topic it seems like the right thing to do um we also have matilda and we have kezia who are people that were homeschooled um and basically um Matilda had more of a positive experience in the way that she reached out originally to be on the podcast saying it was a positive experience for her um and obviously we'll you'll see in the interviews how it all goes and how it um the reasons why it ended but generally a more positive experience and then Kezia um less so she found it more difficult um she was educated at home for those religious reasons and therefore it was a bit more constrained and just didn't enjoy the experience as much but we wanted to make sure we had a balance of opinion so someone that liked it someone that didn't and someone from education and then just us because you always get us yeah and, and obviously we've we've been talking about the subject for quite some time haven't we we've mm -hmm. it's come up um in various interviews um where people have said yeah i was homeschooled i remember germ i think he was homeschooled um our latest interview that may or may not you may or may not have already heard um but um with luke stevenson yeah he was homeschooled he actually right. mentioned briefly mm. um, but there was so much to cover with luke that we didn't mm. even talk about that very much but um i'm sure we'll, we'll be able to have him weigh in on it on yeah well he said he said that he wants to talk about it so i mean this isn't the last word on homeschooling from us i'm sure but we we thought it was quite an important area to talk about um, yeah kind of so, highlight yeah mm -hmm. So should we? Um, so what we're going to do, I think, is we're going to listen to some clips of the interviews mm -hmm. and um, and then perhaps do a bit of analysis 
on them or at least comment on them. Yeah, like a commentary, sort of chatting in between yeah. the sections. Let's not call it analysis. No, Let's commentary. Call it commentary. Yeah. <laughs> or chatting, as yeah. you said. Yeah. yeah, that. Okay, so who have we got first then? Uh, so we start off with Matilda. Um, basically, we just ask um, Matilda straight up, you know, what is homeschool like and why did you mm. do homeschool? Right. Um, and kind of we do that with the with the two homeschoolers right at the, right at the top. Okay, so let's hear what Matilda had to say. So I have, there's four of us, um, mm. and I'm the second oldest. My sister's a year older than me, a year mm. and a half. And um, we both went to nursery. I think we went to like a Montessori nursery. Okay. So, um, yeah, and my sister just said when she was about four that, she just said to my mum, oh, I don't really want to go to school. And my <laughs> mum hadn't hadn't planned that at all. Mm. Um, and just thought, well, okay, let's let's see if if we could do this. Um, so it was kind of just going from there is how is how it started. And yeah, being the second oldest, I just went along with it as well. And I think we always had in mind to just do it until it didn't work anymore. Mm. Um, but it worked for me for, for for a very long time. And yeah, I think when we were younger there was obviously a lot of freedom and we just kind of did it was very kind of um child-led that sounds very kind of academic but it was very we did what we wanted to do in that respect I think you know when I was it must have been when I was around six I made this big project about um Tony Blair and the elections because it was 2004 elections and I was really interested in that at the time um so certainly at that time when we were kind of five six seven eight we didn't do a massive amount of sitting down with the book Mm -hmm. it was it was I want to watch a documentary about this today or I want to read this book or whatever it wasn't sitting down and doing exercises writing things out Mm -hmm. and then obviously that develops over time and it definitely got more more structured um which was good you know it, it sets you up to do the more academic stuff which I think you you do have to do to do GCSEs and A-levels because I think we always you know both my parents went to university that was always in our mind that we wanted to carry on education to that extent and we kind of knew that you have to do those things um in terms of the day-to-day um I would say until I was around 10 11 we probably did you know we'd get up in the morning nothing nothing early because we didn't have anywhere to go except uh, the kitchen table and we probably did we usually would spend the morning doing sort of school type stuff mm. um and then the afternoon was was much more free um to do really we would do a lot of different things especially there being four of us we'd my mum would try and get us out of the house a lot of the time to kind of keep us entertained sometimes that'd be going to museum sometimes meeting up with friends or you know, sometimes if we were interested, whatever we were doing that day, if I remember we did a lot of pond dipping, going in ponds mm-hmm. and collecting <laughs> bugs, which probably wasn't me. That was probably my sister a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like that and just kind of it felt like, I mean, obviously looking back on it, I can describe it in, you know, slightly more specific terms. But it felt kind of like contextualizing what we were doing Um you know, at home and reading books and stuff. And then mum would say, okay, let's go and look at that painting in a museum or something, um, which was, yeah, really good. Mm. And it was kind of being able to go out in the real world and see these things and it not just be 
learning is when you sit down at your desk and read something or do mm. an exercise it can be more more practically applied so yeah so um yeah with uh matilda's sort of intro there it was um yeah it's kind of cool to hear her positive experience really yeah it sounds it actually sounds quite idyllic in many ways as a as a, as a childhood child. doesn't yeah, it? yeah um so as a young child she's being allowed to follow her interests it's clearly there's a, a kind of a theme there because the montessori school of yeah um, teaching is quite interesting. child-led as a concept mm. isn't it so i yeah. mean you looked at montessori didn't you to did. understand it a bit more um, yeah do you remember? Yeah, so um, I mean, this was quite a trendy thing to do in the you know the sort of seventies and eighties mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, um, and I think actually go back a bit further. You've got Piaget, who is kind of the main name in in child psychology that you learn. Um, and a lot of this is about helping children to discover learning for themselves. So rather than making them sit there and learn things by rote and tell them what they need to learn. It's creating the right conditions so that they 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 investigate and they discover the world and so on. And I think there's a lot of value in that when you're young. Um, and there might be some um, good evidence to suggest that maybe we send children to school a bit too early mm. or at least have these formal learning situations a bit too early that actually what kids need is lots of play and lots of discovery and lots of stimulation and all mm-hmm. of that um so yeah I mean that so far that sounds really positive doesn't it yeah because I mean when you think about it it does seem a bit strange that yeah you go from like playing and being very free to like all of a sudden you go to school in September when you're four or five and you now sit in sets on a table in quiet time and yeah you have to you know copy handwriting out and so on you know? yeah I mean I've, it's still very um in fairness I mean it's a long time since I saw it because mm-hmm. the last time was when you were a, a, a child but I think it, it the early years of school is is quite relaxed um but yeah. they are gradually breaking you into the idea of having to sit still and to mm-hmm. so it, it's as much as, as anything, it's socialising you to get used to that discipline, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, something that I appreciate about what Matilda was saying, though, is that it doesn't seem like it's about what the parents want. It's what mm, that's right. it's, it's, again, I guess, a uh, continuation of this like Montessori thing, I suppose, um, of like, and child led, where it's about, you know, she hadn't planned to take her kids out of school because she wasn't like, oh, school is bad. It was mm. just her child was like, I don't want to. And she's like, well, let's consider our options and we don't actually yeah. have to. Um, and this might be good for our kids. Um, you know, something, um, yeah, I, I just, I appreciate that. It it doesn't seem, yeah, like it's um, parents sort of hoisting or what is it hoisting hoisting (laughs) hoisting it doesn't feel like parents like foisting their like um you know political views or something it feels like they just thought well that sounds like a well we'll try it we'll see how it works and and i suppose the the positive side of that if you think about education then that meant that uh, matilda she was interested in politics um as much as as a child of that age could grasp it she wanted to understand about tony blair and so she she, that was what that was her little project that she was working on. Better to do that than some 
politician or historical figure that she had no interest in, I yeah, would suggest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so that that was quite a positive um, take on, on that. I mean, she talks a bit more about her later mm-hmm. experiences. So what have we got now then? Uh, so next we've got Kezia. So again, just giving us her sort of experience of homeschool, just that, you know, yeah. base information for us. Okay. Uh, first question to ask you is... Um, sort of why was it originally uh you were homeschooled I guess is the is the big first question I'd like to ask yeah yeah um I mean I should probably ask my parents that (laughs) for more more detail um but my mum originally trained as a teacher for sort of primary I'm not sure exactly what years but primary school education and she did her sort of teach training in the local schools near where we lived um this was before I was born but um doing that I think she just she just didn't really like the environment she didn't like a lot of things about the system and I think kind of getting that behind the scenes look at the teacher's personal lives she didn't necessarily always feel like these were the people that she wanted to be influencing her children and obviously being quite religious and having that I guess very strong sense of not morality, but her, her own kind of version of how she'd want her children to be brought up. It didn't really then match with what she saw in the schools. And I think that was her kind of starting point to considering home education was just that she didn't really like what she saw and, you know, wanting to raise us with a very Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. I think she just thought that that would be better done at home. Um, and yeah, obviously got my dad on board eventually. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the oldest of six and we've all been homeschooled um, from sort of day one until about 16. So, um, Something that I just thought is a bit interesting here um, personally is I just sort of noticed maybe like um, the difference with the children kind of saying they wanted to stay home versus mm. the parents deciding they want to stay home. That's interesting. So, mm. you know, Kezia didn't, enjoy her homeschool experience as much i know you guys haven't heard as much as as yet but you know she kind of says she doesn't enjoy it as much as matilda or like you know there's not as glowing a review Mm. and i wonder if that's to do with the fact that you know she didn't ask to be homeschooled but her mum thought it would be a good idea because she didn't want her kids being educated in that system Mm. um you know for whatever reasons but I just wonder if that plays into it a bit. Mm, that's a good point. Mm. Um, that's just, you know, me throwing that out there as a thought. Mm, Don't mm. really know, um, but just in a, a thought. Yeah, and, and I think the other the other thing is that um, the, what Kezia said so far is it, the reasons for it was clearly religious, um, whereas the reasons for Matilda seem to be more about you know, a better way to learn mm. for, for her benefit, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Kezia's parents did it because they thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're being careful not to be critical of of, um, of the parents here. We're, we're trying to understand, really, the experiences mm. and um, and the, the ups and downs of it, I suppose. Okay, should we carry on listening? Yeah. In terms of, like... Uh, the uh christian side of it was it um that like a big part of your education sort of being brought up with those kind of um things in play when you were doing just your general education then 
Yeah, definitely. Um, my parents definitely sought out kind of resources and curriculum that was very um, Christian influenced, you know, written by Christians, even like our science books were, you know, like we, talk, we taught creationism, for example, um, mm. right. as science. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of came into everything, really. And obviously, we had a lot more interaction with our parents throughout the day. And just, you know, their everyday life is very much shaped by being Christians and by being very religious. So it just kind of bleeds into everything, as I'm sure you kind of um, know, mm. having that background. It's just kind of your everyday life is very shaped by it. And definitely the educational resources that um, were used were very influenced by that as well. Yeah. That's interesting. What what was that experience like for you then? Did you um, did you enjoy it? Did you find it difficult? I think I did find it quite difficult. I think especially when you get to that age where you kind of get a bit more self-awareness and you realise that your upbringing looks quite different to everybody else's. Um, so maybe around 11 or 12, I kind of realised this is not really normal, especially um, back then. Obviously, I'm not that old but I think homeschooling has become a lot more common even in say the last five or ten years um and especially mm. now obviously with the pandemic um it's sort of everyone mm. knows about homeschooling whereas when I was growing up when I would tell people that I was homeschooled you know a lot of people didn't even really know what that was or that it was an option so I think it was quite isolating um in my experience um especially just because mm. my parents didn't have that kind of homeschool community or network built up that they do now so for my younger siblings they have loads of friends and they have loads of opportunities to do social things and to do extracurricular things and meet people through sport or through music Um, but when my parents were just starting out with homeschooling we didn't really have that so yeah I think the key thing for me was it was a bit isolating growing up. Yeah so I think um, for me this this section um, demonstrate some of the the downsides of mm-hmm. homeschooling really so we've got for a um, for a start we've got um obviously again you know we we appreciate the parents um, desire to teach their children what they think is right but mm-hmm. um it's all coming from a christian perspective so mm-hmm. they're being taught about um creation as as if it's scientific fact um and it's also quite an isolating experience at least it yeah. was for this for this person yeah at the, at the beginning because obviously I think she's like she says there it's not the same for her younger siblings but she sure. is the first of six so you know she is gonna have it in the more haphazard where I suppose not haphazard but like what well, you learn don't you yeah you, you do things. you do better yeah. I'm sure mm. the sixth child has it yeah a lot easier than the first one mm. when you first start home educating um so you know i guess that's part and parcel of it but even so i think there are still some risks around yeah. um isolation mm-hmm. um i guess if you want of six then there's less of a risk there but even so um yeah it's still quite a small community you know mm-hmm. you, you're not you're not getting to meet and interact that much with um with other people potentially although um i think um you matilda know, said she didn't have that's that right. really um because yeah. i guess her, i think she said her parents were quite keen to make sure that they were mixing them in that they went to other 
they, they went to like social groups and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So the, the, there are things that you can do, but I think it is a risk. It is a danger that you, it's you need to be careful. It's something you need to actively work to make sure that your child is socializing because you can't just rely on school doing mm, it for you right. anymore. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's an easy put pitfall potentially mm. if you're not actively um, looking for places for your child to socialize. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's carry on. I suppose um, in terms of when you're talking about um, the things you were learning and, and that sort of thing, how do you feel about um, that now in terms of the way you were educated, looking back as well on your subjects and so on? Yeah, um, I think, again, it's very difficult. I think I think with homeschooling, it's very much down to how the individual parents do it, but it's also down to what the individual child needs or wants from their education so a lot of my siblings are very creative very musical very artistic and actually the the freedom that homeschooling offered really worked for them but I kind of Mm. am more academic than I am creative and so I found that I just didn't really find it sort of focused enough on the academics for me and I was quite aware that what we were being taught didn't match up with sort of the national curriculum and what was being taught in school so I felt quite Mm. a lot of sort of anxiety about that and was quite worried that I wouldn't you know be able to do GCSEs for example and then progress to A-levels and university Um, Mm. although ultimately I did um, I have a law degree now so obviously it you know it did prepare me it did prepare me when it you know to get to where I needed to be so I can't completely mm. fault it but I do think mm. I probably would have thrived in a more academically focused environment mm. and even things for example like you know sex and relationship education I didn't really have any of that um, and probably would have yeah. benefited from it although again it's really difficult because you know my friends who went to school none of them say oh my sex education was so fantastic at school and it was really helpful <laughs> and equipped me really well sure. so yes. you know I'm always conscious when I talk about home education that school is not the perfect alternative. I could have gone to mm. school and really struggled and felt isolated as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, from my experience of being homeschooled, I didn't I didn't necessarily find it mm. as uh, as like academically regulated, I guess, as a school environment would be. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's um important message to remember there is that we don't want to paint it as like, and we're saying the whole school system is perfect and good. Um, We get more discussion of that when we bring Kate in, um, obviously as someone working in the education sector in schools. Um, but yeah, it isn't to say, uh, this particular episode is more focusing on homeschool, so we're looking at the pros and cons. But um, yeah, school has its own issues. I think most of most of us my generation and and downwards wouldn't tout how good our sex and relationships education was for instance I think that's an area that's need you know lacking and needs improvement in all areas of educating our young people um you know as just an example there um so it's important that we don't just say well well don't homeschool just send your kids to school normal and it will be fine and good because it's not a perfect system and it has got issues as well. Absolutely. We'll, we'll hear from Kate, who's our educator. Mm-hmm. She has a bit to say about that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's right. And um, But you, you still left, obviously, with, with the feeling that 
um, it, it wasn't necessarily the, the most appropriate environment for Kessia um, as somebody that was quite academically minded. Mm-hmm. Um, she makes this comparison and we, we always talk about individual differences, don't mm-hmm. we? Um, I think it's so important is that for some, um, it might actually be a really great experience, but for others, it just might not be what you need. the level that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know from my background, um, I did go to school. I mean, one of the one of the things that um, has prompted us to feature this as a subject on our podcast is that, you know, when I was raised as a, as a Jehovah's Witness, which I would describe as a kind of fundamentalist Christian type outfit with some other peculiarities, I suppose, that others don't have, mm-hmm. um, most of my friends um, in the congregation actually went to normal school like I did. And uh, every now and again, you'd perhaps come across somebody that was homeschooled, but it was very, very rare. Um, but I know, you know, if I did evolution at school or science or whatever, um, then when I came back, my parents would kind of debrief me, you know, <laughs> explain to me why this wasn't true, you know. <laughs> well, it's only a theory, Stephen. It doesn't really, you know. And then they, they'd kind of poo-poo it. Um, so I guess that, that, I guess as a, you know, as somebody like you, I suppose, thinks of themselves in quite a, um, an academic space, I, I guess that worries me that, that parents are teaching their children that, you know, um, creation stories from the Bible as science. Uh, I don't know whether you've got any opinions about that, whether you think that's, um well yeah yeah I think it's difficult because I think you know as you said had we gone to school um you know my parents would have just well, they would have still taught us about creation and still told us mm. that that was you know the, the correct version of events I suppose um yeah. so sure. we would have you know I think when I think about homeschooling I just think about it very much as an extension of parenting so as homeschooling mm can be as individual as as the parents are so I think you know it does concern me I suppose that parents are free to teach their children anything but I also think well they would be doing that anyway they would be you know passing Mm. down those ideas I suppose the thing that is obviously worrying is that there isn't you know if you're in school at least you're you are told um you know an alternate point of view um whereas we would never were even things you know we never learn about other religions really um, at all obviously because my parents didn't really see the need for that so um, <laughs> there was no sort of yeah religious education or anything and so I think yeah you can be raised in a, in a very like narrow mindset and you don't necessarily have exposure to the breadth of ideas and knowledge that you would at school because it's all channeled through your parents um, mm. and I guess that is yeah, that is quite a major concern for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Although I, it's really hard because then I don't know whether, how should that change, I suppose, is what I would think. Mm. You know, can you make, can you tell parents that they can't teach their children creation because they're the parents? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's part of the, I suppose the reason for this um, this documentary podcast that we're doing is is to kind of grapple mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. question. I don't think it's reasonable to um, to expect that parents won't teach their children what they think is true, and, and I don't think I'd want to to try and do that. I guess I guess I'm with you, really. That at least if you have a 
um, whether it's homeschooled or at school, um, a, a, a variety of opinions seems like a good idea. Yeah. Um, even if you believe something to be the truth, you know, being exposed to other points of view seems like a like a good way to um, help the child to develop their thinking capacities. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what I would, um, what I would say. And, and, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think you're going to stop parents telling their kids what they think is true. And I I wouldn't really want to stop that, but I think it's good to introduce alternative, um, points of view, worldviews, I suppose. How that would be done, you know, is a, is a really, Mm. is a really good question. Yeah, that is an interesting question because I think, Obviously, people homeschool for a variety of reasons, but I think definitely with religious mm. home education, I think you can very much be in your own little echo chamber. You know, all of our yes. friends and all of my parents' friends are, are religious. Not all of them homeschool, um, but obviously all of our homeschooled friends pretty much were religious. So even if you try and increase the socialization opportunities available and, and get children meeting other people, they're not, mm. they're probably just going to see their own views reflected back. It's That's quite right. difficult to yeah. break into that, I think. Absolutely. And, and with, um, with my um, former religion, they, they're very, um, they, they can be very insular even when, when you leave school. So actually I, I know some people who are homeschooled, were homeschooled and then they left obviously they they didn't need to do education anymore because they'd got to 16 and they straight away weren't working with their dad um and then carried on working with them and basically they've had no life outside of that organization yeah so i find that um interchange really interesting between us and kezia there yeah Yeah. no it's really interesting and i think yeah, I think it's really interesting and very balanced, like she's mm. being very fair um, and, and just sort of evaluating how her, you know, education and how she feels about it. It was, um, yeah, really interesting. Um, I mean, then we go on to Kate. So this is the first time we're going to hear from Kate talking about um, the, basically the monitoring of the education sector. So generally talking about like schools monitoring, but also homeschools monitoring um, and you know, issues with both, I suppose, um, and just getting her thoughts on this monitoring, because that's something that we're quite concerned about, is that kids could be learning anything and nothing. Um, and how do you monitor that in both settings, I suppose? Yeah, that's right. And we, we pick up this um, after Kate's already made some comments about um, the lacks, really, in, in the general mm. education, hasn't Yeah, and, and that she's not 100% happy with um <laughs> that's an understatement Kate yeah. Kate doesn't super love um uh Ofsted and the way that they um you know basically check book work and mm. the way that they see good behavior as a particular kind of behavior you know not being boisterous sitting in lines mm. um so you know the way that they monitor safeguarding and so on she's not happy with that so she's already kind of made that point and then we jump in um just kind of in the middle of that really yeah so let's see what she has to say it's interesting hearing you speaking about how um the school system you think it's not actually monitoring uh children's education well enough anyway because we were sort of thinking oh with homeschool if they're not being monitored like the same way that the uh sort of state schools are uh, how do you make sure everyone's getting the education they have a right to um i mean obviously 
speaking to you, it sounds like that's not being monitored great anyway, but at least there is some monitoring. I mean, what do you think about the sort of like mm-hmm. monitoring of homeschooling to make sure children are getting their rightful education? That's a really good point. I'm really glad you said that because I have been very, very negative about Ofsted and I think rightly, but at the same time, there does need, there should be standards. There should be a national, there should be, in my view, a national curriculum. Like there should be certain things that you expect your child to be taught Mm. um, and that you expect to learn in school. Um, And there should be a, it should be that they are, you know, helped to, to be kind of prepared for the world around them and to understand what's going on. <laughs> um, so I do think that mm. there should, I think that like, it's good that some of those things are monitored to be fair. Um, and yeah, I think particularly the curriculum, particularly behavior policies, uh, particularly uh, school exclusions, those things really should be quite, monitored um but i suppose that the issue that i have one of the main issues i have with ofsted is that i don't trust them to monitor some of those things effectively some of them are fine mm-hmm. um and i don't and that i think that we don't have enough democratic oversight over them mm-hmm. so that that's my issue really is like what are you meant to do if you're a mm-hmm. parent like I think parents have a bit more power than sometimes they think I mean if you keep phoning into a school and making a fuss actually the school does kind of panic a bit sometimes <laughs> I've seen it um, well, sometimes in a good way. yeah sometimes yeah. in a good way sometimes in a bad way yeah. like if they think their child's being treated unfairly and they 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 repeatedly demand meeting good for them mm-hmm. um in, in a way as long as it's not just they don't like a particular teacher which does happen but sure. but that's less common actually than usually they they've got a point to be honest because I think they don't want I mean, they're not usually trying to waste their own time or our time mm. um so yeah they can make a bit of trouble but at the same time the sort of whole school issues they're much more challenging to address mm. um so that's the problem with with homeschooling is that as far as I understand it you you, you might be able to um shed a bit of light on this but um as far as i understand it they don't parents don't have to monitor well that there's they're not answerable to anybody in terms of monitoring children's development so mm-hmm. they don't even need to take exams as far as i understand it they have to do no. a certain amount of hours of schooling but they don't mm-hmm. actually have any well yeah requirements. i think because so, so, uh, some people i know don't even have a single GCSE to their name because they were taken out of school for religious reasons to basically stop worldly knowledge. Um, And that means that they have not a single GCSE to their name. And that does make it harder if they ever did want to leave as an adult. How do you get a job? How do you, you know, these things I feel like need to be safeguarded because obviously I've completely... Um, I don't want, you know, to just outlaw homeschool because there are circumstances where it's obviously going to work for people. But I'm concerned for the people that are being homeschooled for the wrong reasons, I suppose, where it's like we'll stop mm-hmm. them getting certain knowledge. Um, yeah. We'll, yeah. Um, and I feel like when we live in a world where, and rightly or wrongly, these qualifications are what 
take you to jobs and open doors i feel like every child has a right to have those those gcses um but i guess i it, you know in a world where homeschooling exists i don't know how you monitor that do you send someone around from do you have like an Ofsted person mm. that just does homeschool i mean mm. yeah i don't see why you couldn't i think mm. you could have it a lot more rigorous yeah. i think there's not a much there's not the, that demand for it because it's not that common mm. maybe so people don't see it as an issue as a sort of issue mm. that is mainstream mm-hmm. maybe mm. um it uh, uh, as we've said, like I know a lot about the kind of the education system from working in it and mm. seeing a lot of different schools. I, I don't know as much about homeschooling, but I do just because I live in North London and I'm kind of in education circles. What has been coming up as a big issue in parts of North London is the sort of unregulated ultra Orthodox um, mm. Jewish schools mm. where um it's really hard to know what's going on in them because they're very kind of close to the outside world but you know allegedly uh evolution isn't taught Mm. um allegedly you know you're not you don't get the science the sex education that you are meant to just scientifically you know sperm Mm. egg that kind of stuff you don't even get that which Mm. you're meant to be taught in year seven so they kind of take out massive parts of the science curriculum and they don't and girls wouldn't end up with qualifications mm-hmm. um maybe boys wouldn't actually either, either because there's much more of a emphasis on studying torah rather than mm-hmm. having um having qualifications that are recognized by um secular society mm-hmm. so there there has been some controversy in like in schools in Stamford Hill, particularly around that. And there is some of the discourse is, is anti-Semitic um, and, and sort of like treating people as if they're kind of, um, you know, um, they, they don't belong in this society or whatever. Mm. But also at the same time, some of it's fair enough because it, like there should be criticism of this because mm. it means that you're trapped within that community. Mm. You know, if you don't have if you don't understand what the outside world is like, you can be easily convinced into thinking that it's bad and that there's there's no place for you there and that you mm. can't succeed there. Yeah, you can be trapped into not being able to get work, you know. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's very damaging. Yeah, so I think this is obviously a really important mm. section. Yeah. I would say this is. Um, a big a big and important section and gets to the crux of a lot of our fears and concerns i suppose um, absolutely i mean you know we we obviously did that feature on um on the film on the series unorthodox um which obviously you know very much touches on this is also a um a podcast by the story of our times it's a daily podcast by the times newspaper that um features unregulated schools and some of which are doing this illegal actually illegally but they get there's a loophole that they're able to find not just hasidic schools but also islamic schools and some christian fundamentalist schools that are also doing the same thing here and kate's absolutely right that this is a way to trap people into a community when Yeah. yeah sure they might want to 
to remain part of the community or they might not. But that's irrelevant when you don't get provided the tools that the rest of your society have in order to move through, like, move freely throughout it. Um, And, you know, like, I think I say pretty much this rightly or wrongly, in order to get jobs, in order to go to uni, to pursue, you know, careers and such, we have to have these certain boxes ticked um, and certain education requirements met in order to do that so if you're not allowing your young people to get these things you are not allowing them to move in worldly circles and that's got to be questionable absolutely i mean technically speaking it's not homeschooling although that is the loophole through which these illegal schools actually jump so what they say is um it's not a real school because we don't teach more than 12 hours i think but Actually, we're homeschooling, so they can't kind of have it both ways, you know. No, but I think it's a good example of homeschool Mm. um, for people that are being homeschooled for religious reasons anyway. So like we said, the people that we know that don't have any GCSEs to their name, they were homeschooled, um, you know, but and they didn't sit exams because, well, the world's ending, so why would you need GCSEs? you know, in the new order, we won't need GCSEs. Exactly. Um, what is it Tanya Morris said? We won't need lawyers and scientists and yeah, doctors, yeah. but we will need bricklayers. And Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, convenient. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think it's in, it was just good to ask the question, I think, because we've been saying for ages, a bit tentatively, should we be monitoring um, homeschool and having someone just go, yeah, I yeah, don't see why not. It was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah, yeah. Because why can't they set up a body that does that, um, you know? I think that's absolutely right. And um, We need to safeguard young yeah. people. I mean, everyone's constantly saying, think about the children. We we need to. Well, and the more it, the more popular it becomes, the more important it becomes. These are Yeah, there's a bigger percentage yeah. of people being homeschooled, you know, than it needs to be monitored, doesn't it? These are citizens of tomorrow. These mm-hmm. are the people that will be... Um, you know, going to work, earning tax, paying taxes, um, mm-hmm. contributing to society. So I think, yeah, if we think it's important that state schools are monitored and that the quality is right, then I don't see why we shouldn't be doing the same for homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Most schools are tested and checked regularly, aren't they? They they have Ofsted um, visits and they have to make sure that kids are at the right level at various different key stages and and there's a lot of tracking that goes on to make sure that children are where they need to be um, at certain times but it seems like all that is completely lacking um, with with a with a, a homeschool education it's and and if a if a parent you know if children play truant if they don't turn up to school then in theory the parents can go to prison if they don't send their kids to school but on the other hand, if, if kids can just stay at home and, you know, naturally, it, I'm not saying this happened with you, but in theory, parents could say, yes, we're homeschooling yeah. our, our children and actually not do any yeah. of that. So it feels to me like there needs to be some sort of um, check. Yeah. But I, I know. think I think it depends quite a lot on um, your local authority because we had, uh, you know, homeschooling friends who were regularly assessed by, um, I guess it would be the local education authority Hmm. um and and their um sort of resources and materials were like reviewed and the progress of the child the child was um sort of tracked and my you know I don't think my parents would actually have had 
any opposition to that. We didn't sort of try and hide from authorities, sure. if that makes sense. You know, like the doctors knew we were home educated mm. and, and mm. you know, other family friends knew and our family obviously knew. And had that happened, I I don't feel like my parents would have necessarily resisted it. It's just that it, it never did. Um, mm. And actually, I, you know, in all the instances where friends of ours were kind of more monitored by um, the local authority. I don't think there were any instances where they were told to sort of amend what they were doing or change their approach because mm. I think, you know, I think there are, I think also obviously, you know, the, the perhaps the people assessing them could see some of the positive sides of it. You know, we as, as home educated children were very free to like pursue our own interests to develop hobbies Mm. we read a lot you know we could go to places like museums and uh you know places like that when they were very quiet and get a lot out of them and so you know I think on balance when people that I know were kind of monitored in that way there was never really any sort of conssequences of that if that makes sense um, mm. So I, I think there are mechanisms yeah, well, in in place for it to happen, but I imagine there's quite a lot of deference to how the parent wants to do it. So had we been monitored mm. by sort of the local authority, I doubt they would have necessarily um, intervened that much. I do think actually that parents that the balance isn't quite right in my view. I, I think that the balance is tipped a bit too heavily towards parental rights over children's rights and as much as I think parents should have a lot more democratic oversight of this of schooling like I said I also think that that should be collective not individual Mm -hmm. so I think that Mm -hmm. you know it should be about what do we want all of our young people to achieve or what do we want all of our young people to know and so that you don't have these this situation where young people can't escape a cult or a high control Mm. religious group Mm. or they can't access um, qualifications or further training because of the, because of the way they were brought up. And I I think it's something that it's just, yeah, it's just really wrong. Mm. Um, I think that's our, that's our big concern. And I think you've, um, that's really interesting what you said about certain religious schools and there's, there's lots of different religions that, you know, theoretically, anybody can set up a school, as far as I understand it. Um, faith, because there's lots, yeah. like faith schools as a specific mm. group. As um, yeah. So my my background of Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't. Well, in this country, they don't do any um, faith schools. Although homeschooling has become much more fashionable, as from what I can tell, and what seems to be happening is. Um, individual households are kind of joining up at times to do things together like they might go Mm. on a a trip to a museum or something or you know go to do something and call it a school outing or an educational outing Um, but obviously you know if you if you have a a worldview that like you said thinks that um, man was directly created um, Adam and Eve were created and um, you know, you've got talking serpents and um, that sort of stuff. Then, and and that evolution is completely wrong. Then, what sort of education are they are they getting? And I do think that is concerning. 
yeah and not only is it that they're not being educated they're not getting other points of view so even Mm -hmm. even if it was you know well this this is what we think is true but there's all these other beliefs as well that would be one thing but it's it's just a kind of unitary um doctrine that's being taught yeah well you've said about uh jeremy's witnesses doing um their own tours of the natural history museum yeah. being like, this is what they think but this is the reality and like saying like the earth is only this old and it's you know <laughs> and this is how it was and here's how the flood mm. happened and you know yeah. so going through these places and yeah pointing at worldly stuff and saying well this is how it is actually and calling that yeah a school education trip you know that that's concerning to me um and and you know like you said it's one thing what you it was brought up by another guest sort of saying yeah the education is when you're homeschooled is like an extension of how you parent but when you're yeah when you don't have any other alternative views even if it's just talking to your own peers who exist differently to you 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 don't get to experience all these potentials and and yeah then you're cut off but yeah when you don't get to have those gcses and so on exactly like how are you how are you meant to progress to being a young adult making decisions for yourself because you've never been able to do that before you need practice in it and you need to be exposed to different views to work out what you think um I actually was a religious studies teacher, funnily enough. So, Interesting. Um, and and I think it. I wanted to do that because I'm because of my religious background. Was like, I felt like I wanted other young people to be able to explore the issues for themselves. Mm. I I remember leading a weird double life where at school I was an atheist and at home I was a Christian. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was great because my RE teacher didn't agree with him in any way he was he was also an evangelical christian but he but he was he was really good in that he allowed people to say what they thought and he never told the parents about it and that's exactly what i was like as an re teacher i would always just let them think whatever they want what say whatever they want and as far as i'm concerned that's that's it's up to them to decide that so sometimes they say to me my family's christian but i don't really think i believe in god well, am I a Christian? And I was like, well, I don't know. You've got to work that out. You know, it's up to you answer. to decide. So. Great answer. Um, so, yeah, then, uh, so that we kind of move on to a new section here, but mm. I just think that section that we just covered there was really important. Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah, really, just really good words from Kate, to be honest, um, as well, talking about, you know, potential dangers and, and, and things that we need to look out for for our young people and the things that they deserve in terms of safeguarding um, their education because your education it does have so much of an impact on how you move through the world and and so on and yeah it was just a great section I just loved everything she was saying really yeah I mean obviously these are only our opinions about it but um, uh, in my my opinion I think that that's where I sit you know I I don't have Actually, I think I've softened my opinion about homeschooling as overall. Yeah, from talking to yeah. people about homeschool and mm. having a good experience, especially the primary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you're in primary school, it sounds yeah really good. I mean, you know, you have to have the resources and the yeah. ability to do this. I mean, it's probably better when you have siblings. Um, mm. I imagine I might yes. have been a bit more lonely. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Because it would just be me and a parent. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm more softened on it as well because it does seem like there are 
I can see definite benefits to it now that I just hadn't considered before. So opening up this conversation was really nice. Yeah, but on the other hand, I think that then, but we do need to firm up on the uh, the monitoring and making mm-hmm. sure that the quality of what the children are getting is is up to standard. Because if it's not, it's just not fair on them, is it? No, it's not fair. Um, yeah, because then it just means that down to if your parent happens to be really good at the homeschool thing, then yeah. you get a great education. And if your parent is not as good, even if their heart's in the right place, you're mm. just not getting what you deserve. And that's not fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we kind of move on to a section that I suppose leads on a bit nicely from where we've just gone this bit of the commentary which is should there be a syllabus should there be a standard learning Mm. for kids at home just like there is for kids in schools so you know we all learn a particular syllabus at school so I can talk to any of my uni friends about the things we learned in history because we all have a standardized syllabus that that does differ it's not quite it does somewhat but like okay so there's like in when you get a history book for year GCSE history there will be like three segments and your school can fit, pick one of three so you can pick like World War One, medicine through time and there was another one um, but a lot of the time mm, it ends okay. up being that you'll pick the same one but it's standardised in that way um, because there's exams that are created that are standardised aren't they mm. so mm, okay. they have to teach you certain things Okay, so let's see what Matilda has to say about the question of of a curriculum. Yeah, like standardising. Just out of interest, did you have to follow a particular syllabus when you homeschool or is it just kind of like your parents are allowed the freedom to teach you what they feel that they want to teach you or is there requirements when you homeschool? So I think this has changed a lot since... Mm -hmm. I went to school um I I think kind of when my younger sister who is four years younger than me when she was about to start secondary school um and kind of in the year before that I think it maybe changes uh depends on the area slightly but they were bringing in more kind of um checks and balances in that Mm -hmm. respect Mm -hmm. but there's no there's no requirement to follow the national curriculum and I think um kind of in in legal terms the education act it kind of just stipulates it stipulates that a child should be educated to the best of their age ability and aptitude so that's very mm. broad and kind of open to interpretation and obviously the national curriculum is there but i think even now with people who um have to they have to provide a lot of evidence about what they've been doing and all of this but it's not saying you have to do one hour of history, one hour of geography, mm. one hour of whatever each week. Um, so it's quite a a, a broad um, scope to say mm. you should be teaching your child what is suitable for them, which is obviously very in, kind of open to interpretation. Um, so we, as I say, ours was, my experience was probably a bit more structured than some other people and families that we knew at the time. And in that I think part of it is, is my mum's quite an academic person and with four kids, you've kind of got to make sure they're all on track. So we mm. had, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, like textbooks where we'd follow, I'll do I'll do this ma- math textbook and then I'll do the next one and then I'll do the next one in, in that respect. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was very much, you know, I hated, which is weird considering I ended up doing a lot of it at uni, but when I was at school, I not at school when I was at home I hated history and I just said I'm not doing history I'm just going to do geography and mum was like well 
okay, I mean, I'm not going to make you do it. And then when I went to school, I totally changed my mind and I hated geography. And it was, but it was just kind of, you know, we always did maths, English and science. She always tried to make sure we did something a bit creative and something a bit more kind of, it's hard because nothing was, was grouped into subjects very Mm. much. Obviously Mm. outside of maths, English and science seem kind of obvious. And then we just kind of did whatever was interesting. So as I say, Mm. My sisters were really into like Greek stuff and archaeology and ancient history. I was really into like politics as much as you can be interested in politics at like eight, but that mm-hmm. kind of side of things like social science and stuff. And um, so, yeah, we, we kind of had, I think my mum and my parents especially made sure that we covered broad bases in those terms. But um, there isn't kind of, and as I say, we didn't have, like now I think families have to, they're supposed to like have um, someone come and check check in on them every year to make sure that they're doing enough and appropriate work. But we, we didn't have any of that. And, and part of that is because when, if you don't go to school at five, mm. the educational authority don't know that you're mm. there. Mm. So, That's a good point, yeah. So they just, yeah, they didn't even know that we weren't at school um so which is kind of pulling different from being pulled out versus just making that choice from the beginning Mm. exactly and we did have friends who had been taken Mm. out of school I mean even they some of them went for just a year and their parents decided that wasn't right for them and came out but then they know that you exist Mm. and they check on them a lot a lot more which is kind of um slightly debated how Mm. much kind of intervention there should be and mm. um but yeah for us we never had any of that which I think for then because I say my, my sister had to do it for one year her last year being home educated um and I think my mum found that much more stressful because obviously she worried about us learning enough anyway and she was very diligent as I say I mean I hope I'm kind of giving that impression that she tried to mm. make sure we had broad bases covered but I think having to then have it all in writing and have mm. evidence of all of this was was kind of difficult. Mm. And then and you and you worry that whoever comes and visits from the education authority is gonna have a different view on things. So it is mm. I think there's kind of it is a um important in some ways, but also adds a, a lot of a lot of extra pressure. Yeah, I guess it's the same for these schools, really. <laughs> they feel pretty much the yeah. same way with the yeah, Ofsted visits. Yeah, it's yeah, um, mm. yeah it, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because like obviously, from the point of view of knowing people that haven't received or like don't have like um, parents diligently putting together, you know, their sort of plan for educating them and so on. Um, you think well, you need to have that there so that yeah, kids that are slipping through the cracks are getting noticed. But then you think you feel bad for the yeah the parents that are doing it and giving it 100% um mm. because yeah you're sort of being checked up on or like you took them out of that education so you could educate outside of the syllabus but you feel pressure to still conform because of these things so it's a, it's a tricky one isn't it so yeah i think the important thing here to bear in mind from the point of view of someone that actually really enjoyed their homeschool experience mm. for us to then be like do you think it should be more monitored and specific is kind yeah. of a bit like oh um you know mm. 
it takes away from those freedoms because she talks about all the good things that they did and the freedom to explore the things yeah. they enjoyed and then you know not required to do the things that they really disliked and then to move on and do it when she was ready to do it you know yeah that's right um, it's, a, it's a bit like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, isn't it yes dad. <laughs> his favorite phrase strikes again um yeah no i think that's right there is a risk there isn't there that all the good things about having that freedom to explore and everything is taken away yeah, because the basic, bureaucracy yeah. comes down on you yeah. you're just doing school but you're at home yeah. but it's the same as yeah. so what was the point is the potential there i'm not saying that i'm like completely flip-flopping but i just want to make sure that we are presenting both sides here well, and I, understanding yeah. why think, people would homeschool i think if you understand that there is that risk there's a risk on both sides then basically what you need to do is come up with a way that is a fairly light touch way mm-hmm. to monitor but still do some monitoring so yeah. in a way i'm not that concerned about um whether you know the kids what order they study things and, and which bits they find interesting and mm-hmm. you know it, it, to me it doesn't matter if they study tony blair or or you know um winston churchill i don't really care so long as they're learning how to do that study learning how to learn exactly yeah um so for me that that's the most important bit it, mm-hmm. are they learning how to learn and are they learning fundamentals mm. um so things like maths um, and english and things like that i think that probably should be more standardized mm-hmm. than things like um the humanities and mm-hmm. um, and artistic things that's just my personal view yeah yeah, yeah. i can understand that <laughs> there's a curriculum that uh, schools have to follow so you know it doesn't matter that all of my uni friends we all live together but we'd all kind of studied the same curriculum um like we could all talk about like oh at history we did this same topics um the thing is with homeschool the beauty of it is i suppose you can explore different things so you don't have to do medicine through time as your history topic you yeah. anything yeah. do you know what i mean um, yeah but then i suppose that there's positives and negatives to that in the sense that yeah it could be anything um yeah how if there's no syllabus how do you um yeah sort of that this how do you uh choose what to pick and how do you regulate it to see if the student is learning and then prepare them for exams i mean how would do you what do you think about an idea of like a homeschool syllabus even if it was a looser one i don't know i think i I do I do see the the benefit of perhaps kind of trying to um, track some of those milestones like implemented by the national curriculum onto what home schoolers do um, and mm. perhaps assess it a bit more that way. Um, I think, as you said, there's there are sorry, there are advantages to kind of the flexibility of homeschooling mm-hmm. um, and you can tailor it to how the child learns best or what they're interested in. But I think. I think perhaps having some kind of system where you can check um, or monitor a child's kind of attainment every year or whatever mm-hmm. m- may mm. be um, beneficial. I don't know. Mm. It's it's a really tricky one. I, I can't sort of... It is. I can't really decide what I think about that. Because then you'd have to be... You'd have to be be prepared then to take action yeah because if they're falling behind what do you do do you take them back to school and force them in yeah and then yeah yeah what are the rules on that because you could just test it and i guess Mm. 
I guess you tell the parents in the same way you tell teachers if their students are underperforming and it's up mm. to them to do with that information as they will under the current laws. Yeah. yeah. Um, at, at least there'd be an awareness like, okay, your child is falling behind what other children are. Mm. Um, yeah. Instead, because yeah. I guess it could be quite easy, you know, if I think about it, not from a people trying to be malicious way, if they're just doing it so they think it's for the best, at least it would if their child was falling behind, they'd have a way of knowing as well because you'd not necessarily know. It would seem useful, wouldn't it? If I'm a parent homeschooling my kids, I think I'd want to know if if they were falling behind. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was doing it for genuine reasons, which I think most most parents are, they're not, you know, there's no kind of underhand reason why they're doing this. They, They genuinely think it's the best thing for the kids. Well, if I was, if they were falling behind, I think Mm -hmm. I'd want to know. But yeah, it would be different. Yeah, I think you're right. I think even, you know, my parents definitely did it because they strongly believed it was the right thing, um, you know, and it's not easy. It's very, it's very challenging. You know, my mum had six children and no, you know, there was never a time where she could just pack us off all to school and have an afternoon to herself. So (laughs) she definitely believed it was was the right thing. Um, Although I think... Mm. um, just to address what you said about you know that you would want to know if they were falling behind I think a lot of homeschoolers see sort of the national curriculum or or just those you know guidelines for you know you must be doing this at key stage two or doing this at key stage three Mm. see that as quite arbitrary you know who's to say that is actually the best curriculum um you know if I think about um some of my siblings were like for example quite slow to read and if they had been in school probably would have really struggled because they weren't technically uh at the level they should have been but after a few years caught up absolutely fine and you know Mm. have been through college and are now at university so I think there is a, Mm. a a danger of kind of imposing too much rigidity on a structure that actually benefits from being quite flexible um, but then you come back mm. to the problem that we've already discussed that, you know, parents could be teaching anything or nothing and there's no mm. regulation of that, yes. which is a problem. So yeah. it's no easy answers. No, it's really good. You've, you've really elucidated that very mm-hmm. nicely. You've, you've, um, you've presented the, the dilemma, I think, I think very, very well. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I don't think, well, th- there's a reason this podcast is called Washed, I think, about we don't come to conclusions. <laughs> So yeah, that's really interesting. But I mean, I think if you follow us on Twitter, you know that I found that bit interesting anyway, because mm. I clipped that bit out and mm. um, put it online for people to kind of have a sneaky peek mm. at the sort of crux of the argument, which is you can't just say, well, we just do this because there are counterpoints to it all. It's a complex conversation. But um, yeah, then we kind of move into another aspect of homeschool, which is um, how how well or effective is it even possible for parents to teach all of your individualized subjects so Mm. we've talked a bit about how we think maybe primary is quite a cool homeschool experience like it sounds quite nice um could be be, Mm. yeah but then secondary school i guess is where i have more of my Mm, concerns because yeah it was it was you learn, you're learning so much in so many different subjects and you're bopping from hour to hour into different classes and I can't I can't imagine how, trying to teach all of those. Yeah, so I think that was the, the crux of what we asked Kate, wasn't it? So we spoke yeah. to Kate next. Let's listen to what she says. The other thing with parents is that 
it's maybe a bit different from primary to secondary, but when you're at secondary school, you obviously have different teachers for different subjects. I mean, do you think, um, do you think that's going to be a, a difficult one for parents to basically be jack of all trades and they've got a teacher syllabus for each topic? Or do you think it is possible? It's just hard. <laughs> okay. This, I think it's hugely difficult. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think it's hugely difficult is that it's even hard for us mm-hmm. as teachers because, like I say, uh, um, I think RE is a bit different, although there's lots of religions that I don't know anything about, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, there's thousands of religions in the world. But seeing my partner teach science is is wild. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a huge subject. I mean she's a lot stronger on chemistry and biology than she is on physics mm-hmm. um but she has to teach all three i know some schools don't do that particularly grammar schools in, in the south of england but mm-hmm. um it yeah it's it's hard for us to to to, to be able to teach everything well and to know it all mm. to a to, to have the depth of subject knowledge that is required or ideally needed to teach something really well so i think it's really that's a really tall order mm. Having said that, I'm going to backtrack a bit and say sometimes subject knowledge is over-egged. Like, I think it really, particularly for certain young people, um, but actually it applies to all of them to an extent, the importance of relationships with the person that's teaching them and with each other, that's part of the learning process like education is a social process and if they aren't happy if they're not comfortable if they feel stressed they're just not going to learn as well Mm. so actually I've taught um I've had so many different jobs I've taught years I've taught humanity integrated humanities to year seven so I've taught like geography history RE and citizenship was the one I was Uh, teaching kind of similar not all schools teach it discreetly but um I and I think some of my colleagues who were doing something similar were not very keen on it I actually really liked it because it meant that I had a really strong relationship with the with the young people I was teaching because as a RE teacher I don't know normally only see them once a week and with teaching integrated humanities I was seeing them five six times a week mm. so that right and so I think that the the importance of relate of the the like relationships and the social side of it is is just as important if not more so than subject knowledge interesting yeah Mm. it does make a lot of sense though because yeah Mm. just um yeah subjects where you get on with the teacher you kind of you want to do well (laughs) because because you know being in their class is enjoyable (laughs) Which mm-hmm. is a bit of a double-edged sword if you're at home because you may or may not have a great relationship with your your parent, and um, that mm. I guess would then affect all of your subjects. <laughs> mm. If if you're struggling with with your relationship with your parent for whatever reason, then that's going to affect all your education, isn't it? I think I, I agree, and I think even if you have a, the best relationship with your child, sometimes you just get a bit sick of each other. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I was about um, to get rid of Celine. so i think and that's really normal like um, 
I, I wish I were fluent in French. My The rest of my family is. Mm. The reason I'm not is basically because I don't really want to be taught by my family. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm. they all learnt it from living in a French-speaking country. Mm. And um, I was too young to, to, mm. to retain it. So um, I didn't, you know, like the offer was there. Yeah. Oh, we could we could like speak French on Wednesdays, and I was just like, no, not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so Kate's feature was on relationships there. So we then asked Matilda about that, didn't we? Yeah. Well, it was kind of like you know about learning um, all these different things via your parent, like you know many subjects, and then Matilda actually um, naturally gets on to the relationship between her and her parent as well. Um, can I ask um, obviously there, there may have been a bit of a difference in the experience because things change in terms of the law but just in terms of obviously there's two factors here there's the way the education is done and there's also you as an individual do you think that your experience was different to your siblings or um, or do you think you all pretty much would say the same thing about it yeah that's an interesting one I think Definitely, I think me and my sister, the, my older sister, as I say, she's a school year above me. So we have quite comparable experiences in that mm. sense. Um, and she actually went to school for half a year in maybe when she was in year four or year five, because she's she's a very kind of outgoing, independent person, especially when she was a kid. And just said to my mum, oh, well, I, I want to try it. I want to go to school. Um, and she went, I think, as I say, I think for half a year and and didn't didn't really enjoy it as much as she enjoyed being at home. So 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 left that. I never really had any um, inkling to want to go from 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 that age. And I think, as as I said, kind of before, our kind of ethos with it, with it was that we'd we'd do it as long as it worked for each child mm. and it, it wasn't going to be at you know in in 2012 all of the kids will go to school or something yeah. Yeah. so it turned out the way it turned out was that my sister went to school in year seven well actually they all went to school in year seven except me and part of that was to do with that my sister went to a grammar school and my brother so you have to take the exam mm. for year seven and that's kind of it and I think they were just ready to go and it it took me a little bit longer um probably for a few reasons and I think they the one thing I would say is that the last year that I was at home things kind of very obviously deteriorated I think part of that was to do with me being a bit of a problematic child I think you know later in life I've kind of found out that I have um you know mental health worries and stuff and I think maybe that was kind of an early manifestation of that but yeah in that last year it just was obvious and especially with my sister not there because she'd gone to school me and my mum our relationship just really mm. wasn't working and I think when when your parent is also involved in your education your relationship has to work mm. and it just wasn't for us anymore and so for us it was quite obvious then that we've got to change something otherwise this is just going to carry on being bad mm. and so we did and I went to school and that and that really smoothed things over and it was the best time to go both educationally and personally I think but 
that is the one difference that I would say with me and my siblings is that it wasn't like a smooth transition. It was that something did go wrong Mm -hmm. and then we had to change it. Whereas they kind of knew that they were going to go at the start of secondary school. Um, Yeah. So I, I found that a really interesting little uh, piece and what I thought that demonstrated to me was this pragmatic approach to it, which I think, if you're going to do homeschooling, then I think that's what, for me, that was one of the takeouts I got from that interview was that um, have a pragmatic approach. So, you know, they didn't have a set determination of this is how long we're going to do it for and this is when we're going to send them to school. It was always about what's working. And when it wasn't working anymore, they made the decision together that actually it was time for school. And that just seemed like a really sensible way to do it. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that's that was for me. That was the main takeout. Yeah, I definitely think that's um, something that kind of shined through all of Matilda's interview. Is that it was, um, like she says at the very beginning, it was child led in all aspects. So when it works, they follow what works. When the children ask to be homeschooled, they are homeschooled. When they ask to try school, they try school. When it's no longer working and the relationship between Matilda and her parent yeah. isn't working, then it's time to yeah. change things up and go to school um so yeah it was just yeah just like you said pragmatic sort of utilitarian i suppose Mm. but yeah really interesting so then we asked um kezia the same sort of question didn't we about um the difficulties of parents having to cover off lots of different subjects so that's kind of the question i ask her next (laughs) one thing i'm always interested in is um i mean in the early school years I, i can imagine um, you know, as a, when I was a parent, I could imagine teaching Celine to, to read and do kind of basic maths and so on. But as um, as she got older and as the subjects became much more complex and, you know, the, the breadth of what, what she was learning would increase, you know, for one or two people to be able to cover off, you know, GCSE level maths, GCSE, GCSE level English, physics, chemistry, biology, languages, you know, it all seems incredibly challenging. You know, I, I feel like I'm pretty well educated now. I wouldn't want to have to take on that task. Um, how did you find that? You know, were there some subjects that you just didn't cover or? Um... Yeah, definitely. I think that was actually quite a big issue. Um, yeah. You know, as I said, my mum was a trained teacher but for primary school. So it doesn't really equip you to, um, yeah, to teach GCSEs um, at all. And so I think as a result of that, so I only did five GCSEs, which is sort of the minimum you can do to then progress. Um, And I found them really difficult because I was doing quite a lot of it myself. Um, And again, I think because of being the oldest, my parents didn't really understand the system and applying for me to sit as an external candidate. So the whole experience as a whole was quite stressful um Mm. and for the individual subjects um for example I really really struggled with maths because I didn't have a teacher and and my parents couldn't really you know as most parents you know couldn't really Mm. really help me with that um but then Mm. so again I thought I was terrible at maths and then went to college and did I had to do maths as part of the international baccalaureate and having a teacher I was suddenly like, this is amazing. I, I It makes sense. Oh, I understand it. Um, so I think I, I just, it was just much more of a struggle than it needed to be. You know, um, mm. my parents just, as you know, as I said, as, mm. as with, you know, most parents just couldn't teach me 
maths, physics, yeah. biology, history, French. Mm. As you said, there's such a breadth of subjects that need to be covered. Mm. And it's it's very hard for one person or two people to do that. Um, so I do think, mm. yeah, once once I got to that stage of GCSEs, it was very difficult. Um, and I, you know, mm. it shouldn't matter too much now, obviously, having, ha- having got a degree. But even when I put my GCSEs on application forms and stuff, mm. I think you know it just doesn't look good <laughs> I, d- I, I definitely mm. could have done better and done more in a school environment that's interesting mm. do, you, do you remember at that point because obviously I know it's difficult like you said when you're living in it you don't always think about it do you do you remember <laughs> at that point wondering if it was this difficult because it was um, because of the homeschooling or what did you just think of oh, this is what GCSEs are like I think a bit of both um you know I think GCSEs are very difficult and had I gone to school and done 13 that would have been its own challenge um you know but I think I was aware by that stage you know that this was very difficult because I was homeschooled and and just you know um now my parents have done it a few more times and they kind of know the system a bit more and they do get tutors and I did have a tutor for English and a family friend who helped me for science which was really um Mm. really helpful otherwise I don't really know what I would have done but I think now they kind of know the system Mm. a bit more but I think the the studying for the exams was very difficult and all the stress Mm. around it in terms of just kind of the almost the admin of sitting the Mm. exams I was that was definitely um yeah a stress that I knew at the time was down to home schooling and I think by that point I was very Mm. keen just to not be homeschooled anymore so I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well in the GCSEs mm-hmm. to then be able to go to college um so yeah it was quite a stressful time I suppose um and yeah I think by that point I was not very enamored with home education anymore so <laughs> by, yeah by that point I was pretty done yeah was that yeah. something you had to discuss with your parents when you were like coming to the end of your GCSEs you like okay I'm I'm done with this bit now. I'm going to do A levels somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we did have um, a couple of friends, or one um, sort of family friend in particular who had children slightly older than me, um, and they had sent them to college to do A levels. Um, so I knew that that was sort of an option and a route mm-hmm. that we could take. And also, with my experience with doing the GCSEs, I realised that that was not going to be possible to do that from home. Um, and my parents were a little bit reluctant at first. I think they just didn't like the idea of me going out into, you know, mm. the big wide world sort of thing. I think they would have liked me to maybe stay at home for a little bit longer. Um, mm. I'm not sure exactly what they would have wanted me to do <laughs> with that time. But I was mm. quite set on going to to college or to sixth form. So I booked open days and told my parents, yeah, I'm going, you can come with me if you want. Um, And, you know, they eventually came around to it and now they, you know, I think they realised it was definitely for the best. Um, And then it was exactly the same process when I wanted to go to university. You know, they initially weren't very keen. I think it was the unknown and me being the oldest as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just sort of said, you know, I really want to go. Um, And they, you know, now uh, are very glad that I did and realized it was a good idea and Mm. um my siblings are all kind of also following that pattern of going to sixth form or college and then going on to university so it's now not a um contentious thing within our family but I think it was initially (laughs) 
because they just so you're like the trailblazer <laughs> in some ways i suppose i suppose the oldest child is always the sure. the guinea pig yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely i was going to say i wonder how they felt about um you going off to uni i mean celine went to uni and we were i was very keen for celine to go to university um if she wanted to obviously but even so, mm. um, it is pretty well, terrifying. I did go and pick to go um, to as the a parent. central. I, I went to London, so <laughs> oh, okay. you're, like, yeah. you're like, oh, you could have picked anywhere and you picked the biggest city. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you, you put on a brave face so about it, but I knew you were afraid. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, you saw like my mugs wrapped up or something. You're like, oh, it's real. She's going, she's taking her mugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <The mugs are real. laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a, mm. an emotional day, but um, but yeah, it is it is tough. I can understand the um, the fears, and and I think in a way, the more that you, as a parent, the more that you sort of protect for longer, if you like, and control for longer, um, the more difficult it is, isn't it, to um, mm. to do that letting go thing? I think that's so that must have been very difficult mm. for them. Yeah, definitely. I see that with other families as well. I think. Mm-hmm. they struggle to make that transition because yeah. they have had that yeah that that level of control or just day-to-day closeness with their children mm-hmm. and they do perhaps struggle to embrace like the next steps mm. um yeah but i can imagine it's difficult for any parent as you said mm. absolutely mm. yeah absolutely did they ever say specifics as to why they were nervous about you going was it kind of um as we, you know we spoke a little bit uh before coming on uh, about my experience with some people thinking that they didn't want to go because of quote unquote worldly knowledge was there any fears of like oh she's going to be learning things that we won't be able to carry out or you know teach in our way anymore do you think any of that was playing into it yeah definitely I definitely think um especially that initial step going to college I think there was that fear and just that exposure to not that they were afraid of me being exposed to other people. Um, you know, it wasn't sort of um, that isolated that we you know never interacted with the outside world at all. I wouldn't sure. want to give that impression. But I think just, yeah. Um, yeah, just the things that come along with it, you know, teenagers being teenagers and just the lack mm. of, I guess, control that they would have once I was outside predominantly outside the home I I think that did worry them and I think a lot of it was tied into that Mm. um I think interestingly it's been a slightly different experience for my sisters because I have always been non-religious so I never um as much as I was brought up religious it was still emphasized that it was a personal choice to make you know to sort of convert and to be baptized etc become part of the Mm. church so I never really made that decision so I think they were actually perhaps a little bit more comfortable with me going than my sisters who were religious or are religious because I think mm. that they they sort of saw it as a different thing um I think for my mm. siblings who have stuck with Christianity they they uh, kind of lean into those like protectionist tendencies a bit more um because mm. they are a bit not I wouldn't want to say that they're scared of the outside world or that they you know completely isolated us they didn't Hmm. But just as you were saying, yeah, that kind of rejection of worldliness or, or worldly influence, I think, was a was a factor. Hmm. Something that I appreciate here, though, is that although her parents, you know, she said they were nervous for her to go, 
um, she does did go and when they see it's good, they copy it with her other siblings. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So no, they're not necessarily being as child led as Matilda's parents, mm. but um, yeah, when they see something work, they are like, well, it worked, so we should probably. Um, I think the other thing that's probably quite uh, interesting and a very positive thing for Kezia is that although you know the the, the reasons for for teaching her at home was partly to kind of avoid her being in contact with with a um, a system that they were a bit suspicious of, but they had raised her as a rounded individual who had her own mind really and could say, look, you know, at sixteen. Um, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come with me if you want to. And I think that that's got to be a testimony to, you know, how she was taught as a, you know, as a child. So yeah, it's kind of double-edged sword in a way that I think it's like mm. on the, on the one hand, you think, Oh, such a shame that that wasn't just sort of, you know, an obvious thing that she's going to mm. go do her A-levels at college. But then on the other hand, they'd raise somebody who could make a stand like that. And, mm. uh, and yeah, as you say, they went with it, didn't they? <laughs> Just as we were um, chatting before, um, I mean, you, you, you may or may not want to talk about it, but you were talking about control because we, you were saying that you were listening to to our podcast, um, and obviously we talk about high control groups and the way that high control groups kind of, um, well, they control everything about you and um, they determine your uh, what you think is right and wrong, what you are able to do, what your your ambitions and so on. And you said you kind of recognise some of that. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that your that your parents' religion is a high control group, but but you said you sort of recognise some of the the controlling tendencies that that we talk about. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of that was probably linked to the church that we were at at the time. Although mm. um, yeah. homeschooling was actually a minority um, for mm-hmm. the families in that congregation, so I wouldn't say that the homeschooling was directly influenced by that but I suppose it did therefore mean that the church was a very large feature of our lives as homeschoolers because it was our main sort of social environment and Mm. I think it probably contributed to that feeling of isolation because it was relatively controlling to to an extent I'm obviously not talking about really serious things although perhaps there was and I didn't really realize but even small things that I can think of like you know the church said that parents shouldn't let their children read Harry Potter so we never read it but my parents didn't really have a reason Mm. why or a personal objection to it it was just because that's Mm. what everyone at the church said was right and what they all did Um, and my parents subsequently left that church and my younger siblings are allowed to read Harry Potter so I was fuming obviously (laughs) but (laughs) it just kind of shows how you mm. kind of follow those those teachings on things that aren't even really integral mm. to your religion and how it filters down into your family no. life. And because we were homeschooled and we didn't have any other external influence, the influence of the church was quite large in our lives, mm. um, if that makes sense. Uh, so we also, we kind of wanted to finish with... Um, something that Kate says which is you know we're basically like you know basically Kate had said about all of the things that as a teacher Mm. um, they don't enjoy uh, with the education system um, you know and and the issues that 
um, Kate seeing in the education system. We're like, oh, you know, uh, upon that, why why don't we homeschool more kids? Or, you know, why are we poo-pooing homeschool, I suppose? Um, and, and Kate's kind of response to this. Yeah, I, I suppose, you know, just put it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, state school versus homeschool. Kate works in the state school sector and she recognises things that aren't right. So, um, you know, it's not quite as simple as, as saying, you know, get all kids back into school because that's what we need. So I think that's the dilemma. And so Kate really talks about that dilemma, doesn't she? I don't think it's a preferable option. I just think that the education system as a whole needs needs massive reform. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I can understand why ser- some parents would be really unhappy with it and want to take their, parent- take their children out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a friend who's daughter is autistic and she was like constantly put in internal isolation in the school so she's constantly in you know a room on her own with no work or very little work to do because of her autism meaning that she had certain behaviors that didn't fit within the school's zero tolerance um, behavior policy um, eventually she managed to get her daughter into like a, an alternative provision that was actually good that was actually really supportive, that was really mindful of young people's mental health, where they had really small class sizes. I just think that should be something that we, I think that should be something that we work towards rather than everybody sort of taking their kids out of school. Yeah, so I think it was a really interesting, you know, discussion. We've obviously chopped it up to get some of the highlights because we've got three different people to um, dip around, get different viewpoints. But um, it was just really cool hearing the different, you know, pros and cons from different points of view, you know, from mm. people that liked it, didn't like it, and, yeah, the education sector. So has this um, kind of informed your view of homeschooling? Definitely. I think I was a lot more, like, negative about mm. it before. Like, I'm not saying that I'm, like, a convert now. No. I'm, you know, going to – when I have kids, I'm going to mm. homeschool them all. But I, I definitely see – the benefits now and understand why someone would want to um for good reasons do you know what i mean i think before i was like people just homeschool to have their kids isolated for them and to do what they want with them yeah. but i can see the more like complex reasons people homeschool and understand it in a more nuanced way yeah i think i can see that um i suppose for me the uh, yeah i think we've already said that that our view has perhaps softened a little bit towards it. Mm-hmm. I suppose my feeling is, is currently there's just a lack of protections around it. So yeah. um, if it's done well, I th- I think, yeah, certainly in the early years, I can see some benefits so long as things like socialization takes place and, you know, some of the good work that these groups getting together and, and yeah, so on. That like sounds just great. Your basic literacy and numeracy, yeah. um, sort of underhand. Yeah, and and learning how to do that self learning, that self starter thing, I think is really important. Something that actually a lot of young people don't have now when they leave school. So maybe that is mm-hmm. definitely something um, we can learn from that experience. Mm-hmm. But I, I do worry about the religious aspects mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. So if you are taking your children out of school because you essentially want to teach them a Bible-based or a Quran-based um, curriculum, um, then I find that 
quite worrying. Now, what you can do about that, um, I'm not sure, but I think um, we need to be a little bit more willing to actually ask those questions and not just yeah and not just think oh well we we can't really interfere you know because it's a parent's right or don't forget about the children's rights yeah I think it's I think a really important thing that sticks with me is what Kate said about Mm. parental rights maybe being tipped a little bit yeah too far because yeah we do need to protect these children and make sure that when they are adults they've received everything that they would do as as when they're in education and that they are prepared to live in this world um in however that way they want to um and then yeah that that that's the kind of main point that I think I hold on to yeah absolutely so so yeah um definitely some more um checks some more control around what is actually being taught I think is important and uh, at very least some supplementary teaching mm-hmm. and learning should be part of whatever the um you know the, the combination of learning experiences the child has i think is very important mm-hmm. um but yeah i find it very interesting we had um three really interesting people yeah. that um you, you found so we'd like to thank kate matilda and kezia mm-hmm. Um, and you have a suggestion for our patrons. Yeah, so obviously we've um, chopped this one up and, um, you know, we kind of spoke to everyone for about an hour. Mm. So um, there's more to this conversation than we've got in our hour slot. Um, but what we'd like to do is um, put the whole sort of interviews up on Patreon, um, Patreon for each person. So maybe once a month for a while we'll start yeah. putting up, um, you know, the whole sort of um our conversation with each person um you know it'll still be edited to some degree so you don't have to listen to us look for words i mean and 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 all over places um, more than we even do <laughs> yeah surprise surprise we actually don't always flow as nicely as you may you may think um but yeah so but it'll be mainly just you know a flow of conversation with mm. each person so if you'd like to sort of hear more from the people you've heard from today then hop on patreon and um yeah if you're not a patron obviously then um for just a pound or a dollar fifty um a month um you can become a a patron so uh, if you want to hear more of these interviews then uh, along with other other bonus uh content then obviously become a patron yeah well thank you very much i I really enjoyed that it was a bit more complex um as a podcast obviously there's a lot of work to do so sorry it's taken us so long we've been doing this for quite a while Thank you again to our interviewees. They were really interesting and uh, very generous with their time. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for listening to What Should I Think About? Yeah, get on the Twitter and um, use the um, like atters on WhatsApp mm. and maybe use the hashtag homeschool. Yeah, um, there's and, more to be said, isn't there? And, yeah, and just say what you kind of think um, from this point. Uh, you know have your views changed on homeschool Mm. Um, do you feel the same what are your concerns what are your potential benefits yeah let's have a conversation you can get on tweet the week (laughs) cool thank you very much bye bye what should I think about is an evil sheep production